Hello and welcome to Geek Between the Lines, the podcast that explores compelling themes and some of our favorite geeky properties. I'm Chris. I'm Brittany. On this episode, we'll be discussing trust in Lord of the Rings. To start us off, are you a trustworthy (laughs) person? Trustworthy? Trustworthy. That's not where I'm going to go. Are you a trusting person? Well, hmm. I think in some ways I'm a trusting person, in other ways I'm very much not. Could you explain? No. I don't trust you enough. No, I think there's oftentimes like, I kind of have a trust in a baseline of like common decency, mm-hmm. which I'm constantly surprised doesn't really exist in the mm-hmm. world. And then I think I kind of take people at their word, unless I deduce from what they're saying, it's unlikely to be true or can't be true or contradict something they told me before. Like, unless there's some reason for me not to trust them. What I put like, my trust of everything on that no but i think in terms of just like meeting people and you know they're talking to me about things like i generally kind of trust people with their word mm-hmm. unless there's a good reason not to right but at the same time i don't really let people see my vulnerabilities a lot in, in which case to me that would indicate that i'm not a trusting person because if mm. i were more trusting i would be more okay with that right interesting yeah, in that sense, I'm definitely more trusting with you uh, because I can be very vulnerable with people pretty easily. But I think generally I, I'm pretty trusting. I think that I trust people that what they – I typically trust that what people are saying is what they believe. I don't mm-hmm. always trust that they're correct. Yeah. I think that's where my trust like issues come from is like mm-hmm. I think that they believe that they're correct. But I'm also always critical of like – hmm, I wonder where they heard that. Or, hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder where they got this information. I would like to see that the pr- the proof or the validation of this to show mm-hmm. kind of more of that. So I don't always trust that. I guess I don't always trust that people are critical enough. And so mm-hmm. sometimes I will will be surprised or be be curious about something even as, as someone who I do trust their it's like sincerity. I may not trust their correctness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I agree with you there. I accept the fact that I don't necessarily trust people's sincerity or like, I don't always trust people's intentions, Mm. I guess. Like, I think I can be pretty skeptical of people's intentions because you're much more a half glass full and I'm much more a half glass, whatever Half glass full, yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. (laughs) Glass half full (laughs) and I'm much more... Uh-huh. Oh, no, I can't do it. <laughs> a glass half empty sort of person. So I don't even remember what I was saying anymore because that was so difficult. Um, no, but so I think I have a weird interaction with like semi-trusting, very skeptical, sometimes not trusting at all. Sometimes I trust people, but I also don't. Hmm, Interesting. Well, I believe that you've got a quote for us today. I do. So this is from the end of The Fellowship of the Ring, book two, chapter 10, when Frodo is talking about why he's leaving the company, basically. The evil of the ring is already at work, even in the company, and the ring must leave them before it does more harm. I will go alone. Some I cannot trust, and those I can trust are too dear to me. So, I kind of wanted to switch things up a bit. Normally we do our character first, but I kind of wanted to touch on this for my plot. Okay. 
So, instead of discussing the quote and then be being like, oh yeah, remember that discussion we had? <laughs> we'll just go into it now. So, I think it's kind of interesting that the whole breaking of the fellowship happens because of trust. Like, that's what makes Frodo really make this decision mm-hmm. that, okay, I, I need to go on alone. And it's like, distrust of the ring then causes distrust of people. Mm-hmm. But then also trust of people makes the distrust of the ring even harder for mm-hmm. him to stay with those people he trusts. And so it's just like trust and distrust are interacting so much just on this one decision and this one company of nine people. And also I think it's interesting that the lack of trust leads to I think not just in this story but in general people doing things alone Mm -hmm. and you know that could be also being alone because if people can't trust others I mean obviously unless you have a Sam in your life who just works his way in regardless (laughs) Mm -hmm. so yeah I think it's interesting that in the end it was really helpful that the fellowship did break up and and it happened as it did so that they could be doing things on different fronts of Middle Earth. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it all really happened because of not being able to trust each other. Yeah, that is really interesting. I, I especially like that, that part of the quote where he talks about how he, you know, he's doing this because he cares too much about the people he does trust. And part of me is like, oh, I can see that as being, you know, he doesn't want to lead them into danger. But part of it is also, imagine the greater betrayal of if the ring does corrupt them, does cause them to, you know, try to take it, that betrayal of that trust will be even more harmful and more upsetting than betrayal by someone like Boromir, who he didn't have trust with in the beginning. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And it's interesting because after this quote, he kind of mentions, oh yeah, well, Boromir, obviously, I couldn't have trusted. Mm -hmm. But Sam, Mary, Pippin, and Aragorn, he mentions. And I don't even think he mentioned Gandalf. Maybe because he still thought Gandalf was dead, but... Oh, yeah, I guess. Yeah, never mind, strike that. (laughs) He he can still trust Gandalf. (laughs) Um, But... Yeah, he just, he didn't have trust with Gimli or Legolas at that point, which I like because it's realistic. Mm -hmm. Just because you're thrown into this situation of extreme peril and you have to rely on each other in certain ways to survive doesn't mean you trust them in the end because you don't really know who they are. And I think with, with the Hobbits, he would be able to tell if any of them were starting to kind of get corrupted by the ring or something very quickly. But for these others, he couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. So what about a character? My character is Gollum. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think so much of the relationship between him and Sam and Frodo hinges so much on trust, both earned trust and unearned trust and betrayed trust. You know, like all these, I think, are really interesting parts of their dynamic because... You know, from the get-go, Frodo trusts Gollum in a way that Sam doesn't. That he says that he can be their guide without the rope, without anything. He can lead them into what could very well be danger, mostly because he trusts the power the ring is going to have over Gollum. But I think that that also, you know, because of the reasons that we've talked about in, in past episodes where how 
he is able to identify with Golem so much and, and see a hopeful redemption for Golem being a redemption for himself as well. He, I think, places a trust in Golem that is real and is almost self-serving in that way, where it's he's saying, I have to trust Golem not only because we have no ability to survive otherwise, but also because I have to believe that Golem can be trustworthy because that means that even after the ring has corrupted someone, they still have goodness, they still have trustworthiness inside them, which I think is, is an interesting dynamic between the characters. But I think mm-hmm. that it's very telling in, in general how Golem, you know, does seem to be on, you know, benevolent to Frodo until Frodo betrays his trust. With, you know, good intentions, manipulates Golem into being captured by Faramir's company. And Golem sees that as a betrayal and I think it's after that that he finally starts seeing that that, that the, the Golem pers- persona comes back out instead of just Smeagol's kind of trusting nature, um, that Golem comes back out and tries to be much more manipulative and much more selfish in ways that, that he hadn't been prior because it, it goes back to the fact that he calls Frodo master. And I think for Tolkien, in that kind of feudal look at things, the same way that kings are kind of like in a have a duty to those they serve a master has a duty to those they serve and for golem frodo betrayed that duty in betraying him and so he no longer was was suitable to be master hmm that's interesting i never really thought about it that way before i kind of was thinking just now that i wonder how much golem would have trusted frodo if it was only frodo Hmm. and not Sam? Or did Gollum develop more trust with Frodo simply because there was that juxtaposition of Sam being so distrusting of him and of not honestly treating him well, and then Frodo treating him better? You know, he he was able to see that contrast. That's very interesting. Yeah, it's just... Like they, I kind of wonder. Kind of, like, not intentional, but a kind of good cop, bad cop. Mm-hmm. Good hobbit, bad hobbit exactly. kind of thing <laughs> of, yeah, you know, he is the kind one. He is the one who's giving. He's the one who's trusting. And and Golem responds to that. And, and, and because he's treated humanely by Frodo, he gains that kind of faith in Frodo. Mm-hmm. And also, I wonder if Frodo... I mean, I don't think Frodo really trusted him. I think he trusted him enough to be okay with following him hmm. right i don't think he trusted him in in a lot of ways and and even when sam doesn't want to take him along and he's like you know we don't have any other option mm-hmm. like if he's going to do something malevolent he will you know malevolent 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 i was mixing that with benevolent, benevolent. and those are very different things yeah um yeah, then, like, if that'll come, that'll come. But this is all we can do now. So I think he never really... He wasn't naive in his trust of him. Mm-hmm. But I wonder how how he might have been different if he had known him as Smeagol. Yeah. You know, like, if Smeagol had changed and had turned versus he meets him already as this kind of villain and already as someone he doesn't trust and then he's able to see maybe parts of him he can trust mm. versus you trust someone and then they break that trust and now, you know, you, your opinion changes of them. Yeah, that's so, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Well, what's your compelling question for trust in Lord of the Rings? So my question is, 
Do you think the different nations or kingdoms or whatever you want to call them of Middle Earth should have trusted each other? Oh, that's an interesting question. Because, yeah, I think that some of the animosity is earned from, you know, the backstories that you hear about how elves and dwarves in particular, you know, had fallings out and how I think it was that when there was a crisis in Moria, the elves refused to help. They mm-hmm. were saying that, you know, they aren't going to go in and, and rent, rent, risk their own people for the dwarves, despite the fact that they had some kind of alliance, I think, um, if I'm remembering correctly. I think that sounds right, yeah. But So I, I can understand why that animosity exists and why that distrust does exist in that sense. I also, as a trusting person, <laughs> um, I think it, it's, it's ridiculous that they don't, when faced with annihilation from Sauron, that they don't ally more strongly and more quickly than they do. I think that the, the lack of trust there is, is interesting. I think it's particularly interesting when you look at, at Denethor because of his... Uh, corruption by Sauron through the Palantir. I think that mm-hmm. he, e- you know, even unconsciously is corrupted to the extent where he no longer it can be friendly with others. You know, in the same way that, mm-hmm. in the same way that Theoden was corrupted by Saruman. You know, I think that that mm-hmm. attacking the the heads of these states in ways that they did is a really effective way of dividing people because it's it's impossible to to have those kinds of bridges between peoples that way. What were you thinking? Yeah, I was thinking a lot about that of, honestly, could the elves trust people from Rohan or from Ministereth? You know, like, no, because their leaders at the time were corrupted by Mm. the power that they were trying to fight against, right? Or, I mean, if they were fighting at all versus, like, Lothlorien was kind of, like, hanging out, doing their own thing, maybe sharing some wisdom, And then you have, like, the Ents. Well, who can they trust? Mm. Because either nobody cares about them, except maybe the elves a long time ago, or, you know, Sodomon was supposed to be their ally and then turned on them and then uses all of his orcs to go and cut down the trees and, and whatnot. And I don't know that they really could trust each other. I think individual people in the different kingdoms could have trusted each other, but... As far as leadership goes, I don't really feel like they could have. But back to your your point about the elves and the dwarves, neither of us are like extreme Tolkien buffs. So maybe we have to ask Colbert about this (laughs) one. But I don't know how long it's been since that happened Mm -hmm. when they're in the fellowship. Because how many generations does it have to take for people to be like, okay, you betrayed us at one certain point in time but there were years of history before where that wasn't the case at all there hopefully can be years of history after and well that's not the case like your rulers made this wrong selfish choice but shouldn't these elves who are the next generation of elves apologize to the dwarves and be like what they did was wrong and we don't want this to happen and what can we do to help you know have a good relationship again Mm mm-hmm but plus, there, there's, there was definitely things like that going on in The Hobbit, right? Where, like, originally the elvish army comes to basically demand that the dwarves who have retaken Erebor give back <laughs> some of their gold, you know? And, and so there's already that tension going on there. And For both sure. of them claim a, 
you know a, a right to some of that gold or to all of that gold for the dwarves that that are competing you know and so that that certainly was was happening there and, and it would not have changed if not for Bilbo stealing the Arkenstone and then the goblin armies attacking yeah. oh I guess I guess we want to fight together <laughs> I guess that yeah. might be a better idea yeah. <laughs> but yeah that, that's a, a very interesting question well that's what I was going for well done <laughs> what is your question for me my question is uh as as much as you shouldn't categorize people by race, Tolkien seems to do so. Uh, <laughs> he certainly, you know, gives certain features to men versus elves versus dwarves versus hobbits, right? Or yeah. say humans versus dwarves and etc. But so in that context, would you say that hobbits are trustworthy? So are hobbits trustworthy and hobbits being categorized by preferring... In comparison to humans and dwarves and elves, as a people, are they trustworthy? Well, they tend to want to just hang around, not go out into any adventures, not be involved in anything really outside of their own small towns and yeah kind of like a chill life but i mean so those characteristics in and of themselves i think are not inherently trustworthy or untrustworthy mm-hmm. i think i have less confidence in people who would rather be isolationist than have interactions with other people you know basically other nations and other cultures and i i get the idea like the the draw of a simple life and obviously the more you in you know involve yourself in international politics the less simple that life becomes mm-hmm. but that doesn't obviously mean it's right but then we have some strong examples of untrustworthy elements mm-hmm. <laughs> the saxville Bag- bagginses and the um mary and pippin stealing things yeah, I think because they're so motivated from, like, pleasure, from the, what they're eating and drinking and, yeah, kind of just having this relaxed life, yeah, maybe they are inherently a little less trustworthy than other other races that don't have those same priorities where kind of their own individual happiness is of paramount importance Hmm. so yeah i don't know but i mean at the end of the day they saved the world so yeah i was thinking it actually kind of reminds me of what we were talking about in in our our question personally but it kind of goes into that idea of like trusting someone to be sincere or correct or trusting someone's intentions because i think that they're a pretty mischievous people in general (laughs) you know like i don't think they're evil generally but they are mischievous i think that they they have curiosity and they have they they don't take put a lot of stock in rules that are told to them especially by other people right so like if they're not invited to a council (laughs) they'll go anyway right yeah um you're not invited to a birthday party you'll show up anyway exactly (laughs) So I definitely see a lot of that, you know, and, and I think that Pippin is a really interesting example of it when he's in Minas Tirith because he comes out and he starts talking to Denethor about Boromir, even when he's told not to, because I think that for him is about his intention, you know. He has a trustworthy intention of wanting to honor the life of someone who, who died in his 
party, right? And who died saving mm -hmm. him, in fact. And that he, even though he, he has loyalty to Gandalf, that's also showing a kind of loyalty to to the truth of what happened with Boromir. And, and he wouldn't, I don't think, be able to, to keep quiet in that moment. But at the same time, he also goes around with Gandalf and sneaks around Minas Tirith, like, <laughs> doing his own thing because... Lighting fires. Getting Gandalf to, to you know, come, def you know, stop Denethor from killing Faramir. Like, mm -hmm. these kinds of things that he does, which, you know, go against his actual oath. But mm -hmm. his oath itself is less important, I think, than his intention of this is what's right, this is what's good, this is how you treat people. And and so I think that hobbits as a whole, for me, I don't see them as, like, trustworthy in regards to their word, but I see them as trustworthy in regard to their intention. And you can even see that with the, the quote that we used in a previous episode of the uh, conspiracy of the friends knowing that Frodo was going to be leaving and mm -hmm. saying, like, you can trust us to not let you go alone. Like, wh whether you think you can trust us to, you know, keep secrets is different, but, mm -hmm. you know, our intention is to be there for you. And, and I, I like that. Mm. Cute. Very cute. Well, what about a missed opportunity? What missed opportunity do you see in Lord of the Rings regarding trust? So I think that Rohan should have had a lot of trust issues, mm. <laughs> like the people there, because first their king is co-opted by an evil wizard mm -hmm. and basically made so subservient that he doesn't do anything and puts them all at extreme risk. And then he, Theoden, should also have trust issues because... Wormtongue, mm -hmm. who is supposed to be like his most trusted advisor, is the one who does this to him. And then Elmer is sent away by Theoden, his uncle. And so that would make you have trust issues too. Mm -hmm. And you come back and suddenly he's like, fine. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then... Elwyn should have trust issues of every man ever, because clearly. Yeah. And so, yeah, it just seems like... And then she lies and, and dresses up as a, as a man, you know? I mean, I don't blame her for that. <laughs> I don't blame her either, but, but like... But she kind of abandons the people. Exactly. Right. She abandons the people, and she shows up on this battlefield injured, and Aomer already lost Theoden, is freaking out. So, mm. yeah, there's there's... Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little bit of a mess there. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> a lot of very strong personalities kind of doing what they want to do. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's interesting. <laughs> My missed opportunity is... But I kind of wish that that had come out more. Gotcha. You know, like that it had like lasting effects on mm -hmm. the characters, like that you saw. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can nice. see that. Anyways, continue. My missed opportunity is that I think that Saruman's betrayal of the White Council... Uh, I wish would be a bigger deal. Um, I think that they do a bit more of that in the books, but the movies certainly don't. And even, I think, with both of them, you don't really see much there. You know, you see Gandalf going to Saruman try to, you know, get help in this time of need and then having that specific betrayal. But for me, because it's so physical, especially in the movie, it seems less about the betrayal of the ideals that they both stand for. Mm -hmm. they, they do go more into that with the Saruman of many, many colors and things like that that you see in the books and, and why he talks about why he changed. But I wish that they would see more about kind of 
how Saruman was an ally who actually had trust that Gandalf was going to him because this is one of the few people who was wiser than he is, you know, and mm-hmm. someone who, who he felt like he could trust in a way, and that Saruman broke that. And I think it'd be especially interesting considering Saruman, even before then, already had a reputation for being able to use his words to manipulate, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, the opposite could be true as well. Like, if Saruman wasn't trustworthy beforehand, I'd like to see that as well, you know, why Gandalf might have come in already skeptical or, or, or been unsurprised when it's Saruman who already uses his, his words to manipulate is the one to, to to betray them. Like, in one way or the other, I would have liked to see them do a little bit more with what that means, because for me, it kind of just is a an easy way of setting up a secondary villain instead of really devel- delving into the relationships that they had beforehand. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because Gandalf does deal with it extremely well. Like, he's like, oh, this great friend I've had for hundreds of years. More than that? Thousands, Thousands, I think, yeah. I think, right? I mean, they were both Maiar, so, like, Mm -hmm. they were kind of angels beforehand, like, even before they came as wizards to Middle-earth, so. Yeah, it's like, oh, I guess he's betraying me now. He's gonna kill me unless I join him. It's all good. I got other friends, like this butterfly right here. Okay, it is a moth. (laughs) Get your facts straight. My apologies, it's a moth. Um, yeah, so he deals with that surprisingly well. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's because he's a wizard and he's just this other being, so he reacts differently, but you would think he would be kind of hopeless. Mm. Like, I don't know what to do. The only person who's wiser than me, who knows more than me, who has more power than me, is on this other side. Like, what can I do now, you know? Yeah. Like, I, I would kind of see. I mean, maybe he did go through a hopeless period while he was stuck up on the top of Isengard, but... Orthanc. The tower is Orthanc. Oh, Isengard is, is the, the area. area. Yeah, yeah. There, I think in the books there is a little bit of that in the Council of Elrond where they talk about, like, if it's true that Saruman has, has betrayed us, like, mm-hmm. then what hope have we? So I think there's a little bit of that, but even that doesn't seem to come much from Gandalf. It's more him kind of fielding yeah, those questions. Totally. So, yeah, yeah, good point. Well, what is your takeaway? What lesson have you learned in this discussion about trust in Lord of the Rings? I think it's that I have too much trust in people. <laughs> <laughs> you just learned that? <laughs> I think I should change to a glass. Quarter uh, full? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I think my takeaway is that there's actually a lot more trust issues in the series than I really thought about much mm-hmm. before because I think of like other themes a lot but not necessarily as much trust but in some parts you know it is really integral to the plot yeah 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 I think for me it's that yeah you can see it in a lot more than what's the obvious one like when I was thinking about a character Sam was the only one I could think of you know but we've also talked about Sam so much in the past and, and how he's such a great servant and friend to Frodo that I, I want to do something else. And so thinking more about it, like, and thinking about Gollum in that in that relationship and thinking about other aspects of trust, I think was, was a little bit more illuminating. It just took a little bit more work to get to those places mm-hmm. than, than um, the more obvious places where you could see trust. Absolutely. And I think that that's kind of the case with Lord of the Rings in general, is you kind of have to dig down a little bit sometimes to, to see some of these themes, but there, a lot of them are there. Yeah. Something I did just think of a little bit 
right now tell me is that it's interesting because i was talking about like rohan right and the fact that theoden had this extreme breach of trust with Wormtongue, yet let him go mm. right in the movie it's aragorn that's like hey enough blood has been spilled like don't kill him but in the book i believe it is him I think he says. I'm actually not sure. That's an interesting point. Yeah. I wonder yeah. What, what that difference is. Yeah. I think that it is Theoden. And the fact that he wasn't like, oh, I forgive you. You can stay. But he was like, I'm not going to retaliate on you. Like, I don't trust you anymore, but I'm not going to kill you, even though according to the laws, I should. Mm-hmm. Right? So he had compassion, even though. Even though he broke that trust, so. Yeah, that yeah. is interesting. That's Good cool. on you, Theoden. Yeah. All right, well, do you have what we'll be discussing next week? Yeah, so we're going to be looking at Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. So let's see our topic. <laughs> Death. Death in the Hunger Games. I don't know where we're going to find that, no, actually. It's going to be hard. <laughs> we'll just have to look at just one of the books. Mm-hmm. Everything will be confined to one. <laughs> All right. So next week, Death in the Hunger Games. Oh, man. This is going to be so hard. <laughs> well, thanks for listening to this week's episode of Geek Between the Lines. You can find us on social media by searching for Geek Between the Lines on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Pinterest. You can also go to our website, bit.ly slash geekbetweenthelines, or go to our Patreon site at patreon.com slash geekbetweenthelines. You can also send us an email at geekbetween at gmail.com. We also want to thank Kimberly Taylor Pastel at Lacelet for designing our logo. You can find her designs at lacelet.com or searching for Lacelet on Facebook or Instagram. With that, we'll see you next week. Until then, geek geek out. out!